Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. Well, today's guest grew up in the Philippines, poor. She started working at the age of 11. And after high school, came to this country with a dream of owning her own business. After years of hard work, struggles, and setbacks, Christine, with the support of friends who believed in her, has become a great American success story. And if you don't fall in love with her positive spirit and her warm heart, you will absolutely fall in love with her food. Her restaurant, Christine's Casual Dining, bills itself as a Filipino dining experience like no other. Her story is also like no other. My new friend, Christine, is this week's person of interest. I grew up in um, this second biggest city of the Philippines called Cebu, but I live in a little village. It's a, it's, the city is like three hours away from the village. Philippines is over 7,000 islands. So each island no has kidding. different name. And I'm in the middle part of the region, uh, Cebu, the name of the island. And you moved here when? Uh, July of 2001. Did you speak English as well then as you do Very now? Very little. <laughs> when did you start taking English? We have English at school, but it's not really serious. Like, we don't really take it seriously because... It's, it's like us taking Spanish here. Yeah, it's the, yeah, <laughs> it's like that. And um, I just learned more when I moved here. What was life like growing up in Cebu? Um, very poor, but we live in a small village where we're content. You have cows and chickens and we don't, um, we only go to the market once a day to get the fish and we pretty much live very simple life. Um, I miss about um, the fruits, a lot of fruits, because my parents had all these fruit trees. We just go get it, and it's not the same here. That's what I really miss the most. Um, my mom would cook three times a day, and there's no leftover for the next meal. So she just cooked breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We eat three times a day. All of it with rice, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with rice. Rice is a part of every meal. Yes, yes. Yeah. And eating chicken is a treat. We just eat fish most every day. But it, it's very simple life. We don't have like the technology like we have here. The city is very far, so you have to ride a bus three hours away. Hmm. Life there is slow, very slow. <laughs> the time is slow because there's nothing much to do. I remember when we have our first refrigerator when I was nine years old, and I was very happy with that. And my parents would have TV when I was 12. You didn't have a TV until you were 12 years old? Yes, yeah. yeah. We only have two channels. Because uh, my village has um, mountain cover. Like where I lived, my parents' house is like covered by mountain and then mountain. Mountain at the front, mountain here, and mountain. So we are oh, like. Oh, so you're surrounded. Yeah, I was surrounded wow. with mountains. So um, it's very hard to get the um, broadcast. The from, signal. Yeah, the yeah. signal wow. from the city. It must have felt isolating, or did you not really notice it at that age? I didn't notice it. I mean, it, it was 
to me, it's just like it is what it is. Um, this is home. Yeah, you just live with it. There's not much like games or like on TV like we have here. The kids has all this technology. In our village, you only have one basketball court to play and one ball mm. to play. And then um, we, if you are lucky enough to, your parents has a ball, you have to share it with your neighbors. Is that a philosophy that everyone shares? Yes. Philippine community is like you, when you invite somebody, like you, it's your birthday, like your neighbors are invited. You get offended if they say no. <laughs> so it's understood that yeah. everyone in the community is a part of your family. Yes. In a way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up, when three out of three of your meals a day contain rice in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. With that being the main ingredient, I would imagine you'd have to get very creative in the kitchen. Yeah. You can make rice with sugar. You can make rice with, make it like with um, milk. My mom would cook fish in the morning or pork in the afternoon. It's like, um, it's a diff- we just eat different, like um, You just pair it with different things. With yeah. 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 Was your mom a good cook? Yes, she is. Yeah, she's a good cook. She taught me everything. What dish was your mother best at making? What was one of your favorites? The um, thing that she did better than anybody else. I like her pork adobo. Pork adobo? Yeah, I like her pork adobo and the pan set. I always look forward to it when I go home. Tell me, I mean, what is it? What is it like? What does it taste like? What's in it? Um, Pork adobo, well, the traditional one, is not the same as what I made at the restaurant because... Um, when we make it in the Philippines, is made out of pork belly, and you fried it first, and then you saute it after you cook it and make it crispy. You fried it, put little sauce to it, make it softer, hmm. and you you put like onions, peppers, um, you put like uh, black beans to it, and then you put it over the rice and it with soy sauce and stuff. So that's what I miss the most. Is yeah. that hard to produce here? Um, I can produce it here, but it's just like made of pork belly. And some people will be like freaked out if they say like fat on the mm. on the food. Like the belly part is very fat. So there is still, even after it's been fried, there's still quite a bit of fat left over? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can actually see it. Would it be correct to say that bacon is basically pork belly? It's yes. Just, it's just sliced it's thinner? It's just sliced thinner. But like some people freaked out when it's sliced bigger. When like, it's a big, yeah, thick chunk. Big, yeah. They'd be like, oh, like. That's where they draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's just a bacon. <laughs> right. Did you spend a lot of time cooking with your mother? Yes. When I was younger and I, when I moved to the city, I go home once a week. And uh, my mom would cook me my favorite ones and then go back to the city to work. I was going to ask you what brought you to the city, and it was to work. Did you work in the food service industry? No, I work in the retail industry when I was younger. Um, I graduated at 15 years old in high school. I am the youngest. So, um, how many kids? Six kids. Mm -hmm. I'm the baby. And um, the Filipino culture is the parents would send you to college, um, no matter how hard it is, most of the parents would try to send all their kids to college. But since it's six of us and I have two siblings that are still in college, I have to wait. 
so my two siblings can finish and then it's my time to go to college. So I asked my mom and my dad if I can go to the city and work while waiting for my two other siblings to finish. So they allowed me, So, I, but I'll have to go visit them once a week. So that's how I end up in the city and I work at the retail industry. It's like a department store where you only have six months contract to work. Really? Yeah, um, in my country, like... It's different than here. Um, so when you get hired, you're not hired necessarily for an indefinite amount of time. There's a time limit. There's a cap on it. It's, yeah, it's, for a certain period of time. Yeah. I think they are trying to um, avoid the the benefits because when you work as a um, temporary, they don't have to pay you like like healthcare, yeah, healthcare, insurance, insurance, and things and, like that. Yeah. The one that work longer have better pay when you work like only six months. But you can always reapply until you get the observed you and then you can take the job permanently. But it's a great way to get cheap labor in your own country. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So at what point did you decide you wanted to come to America? How did that all come about? It wasn't planned. Um, I think it was the Lord's plan, actually. Um. I met my husband in the Philippines. Um, He was working as a missionary. His cousin lives in the Philippines. He's originally from Cincinnati. but Your husband is from Cincinnati. Yes. He visited his cousin who happens to, wants to live, uh, he lives in the Philippines, who married a Filipino girl. So I met him there, and we got engaged after nine months. And then we got married, and he don't want to live in the Philippines. So he said, you have to come with me. And I said, like, what about my family? I, I have to stay here. I said, well, you're my wife now. I said, you have to go with me. So, Was this discussed before you got married? Um, I, I get, He kind of say something about it, but I didn't take it seriously because I have the impression that he would like it there because his cousin lives there and right. he would like it so i did not like it didn't sink in until we got married and, and when you're in love you're not really thinking of correct, the variables yeah. and you're not looking ahead <laughs> yeah, you're just like you, ah we'll work it out later yeah later like <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't think the consequences right about it and um my parents was very skeptical because i was young and um she thought that i was just like infatuated with him so they were like actually like against it when I was told them and I told them like I want to marry him. How old were you? I was nineteen. Oh, that's I pretty. Was, you're an adult, but that's still pretty young, right? Yeah, actually, yeah, I was very young, but he was my first boyfriend, and you, you know, you. I guess when you didn't have anything to do, and you, when your life is just revolved with work and family, and nobody pay attention about you and then this guy come and you just like give you attention and you just start falling for that person and I guess that's what actually happened and my parents was like you're very young I guess you're just upset because you don't uh you have to wait to go to college so no I'm not upset like I I understand and my mom was actually so against it and said you're gonna be far and he gonna take you to the United States and you don't have family there. She's just like scaring me. And I was like, I guess like I have to learn from that. I have to live with that. And my mom was not accepting it for a while. 
So you knew there were risks involved in in marrying a man that you hadn't known that long mm-hmm. and moving to a foreign country. Yeah. You've never you had never been to America prior yeah. to that. Yes. And you kind of placed faith in God's hand and thinking, listen, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to learn a very valuable lesson the hard way, yes. and that's okay. Yeah. It was hard because your parents was against the relationship because I guess they were just trying to protect me. Yeah. Plus, I'm the baby. <laughs> so he moved back here, and I was in the Philippines after we got married. So I have to wait two years. Because I have to process all my paperwork to come here. Um, it's not easy to come here. Even when you marry an American. Yes. You have you have to process all your paperwork. He filed a petition for me to come to move here in the United States. And, you know, the technology in the Philippines is very slow. So that take me about two years to get approved to be here. And it's very, very frustrating sometimes. Was that hard, living apart from him for that long? It is. At that time, there's no Facebook. So he has to pay like a dollar per minute to call me a long distance. And um, he would call me a certain day because like I have to, I work, the day is different here. Like when it's right now, it's two in the morning. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening, we're recording this. It's just after one o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday, but in the Philippines, while it's one o'clock in the afternoon here at the time of this taping, it's two in the morning. Yeah. So the time is really different. So when he called me, it's morning here and then it's night because I have to get off work and it has to be scheduled. Like, I'll call you like nine at night to be waiting for me. And you said there there was no social media because we're going back to when was this? The late 90s when this was all happening? This was in 1999. Okay. I guess the difference of the technology here and over here is over there and over here is different. So you went through this two year process of applying for citizenship and going through the bureaucracy and the red tape and all of the steps that you just have to go through. You go through a lot. Prior to my interview to the immigration, these stripped you out from head to toe. They were asking you like, what is this like uh, scars? I said, that's from my chicken fox when I was 10. And they oh, would like wow. strip you down, like make sure that you don't have any diseases virus you had the inspect you everything to take your blood test police clearance fbi everything they that run you don't background have, yeah. checks yes yes look into your past yes yeah you have to live here at least three years then you can apply your citizenship that's when you were required to study all these hundred questions because you never know what they're going to ask you like how many stars in and the flag, what right. are those means? What are the colors of the flag? What, how many stripes? And you have to study the hundred questions because you never, you never know. I don't know that most American citizens <laughs> could successfully pass that test, to be quite honest with you, because a lot of these are social studies questions that we've forgotten over the years. Yeah, I mean, you have to study. But like, I love that that's part of the process because I think those are things that every American should know. Yeah. So you arrive in the U.S., mm-hmm. your first time ever, you had never been here before. Yes. That must have been culture shock. It is. The first thing shocked me is that here, the food-wise... Then the weather, but but I arrive in the summertime. 
Whereas the Philippines is hot all year long. And then the food-wise, it's so different. The change of eating rice, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There is no rice there. You you, you have bread and you have like, you have so many choices like chicken, beef, pork, whatever you, you can think of. There is there in front of you, but you're looking for the rice. That's what I grow up for 20 something years and I, it was just hard so adjusting that part is very hard it's one thing to go to english class it's a it's a whole different thing to have to apply that in your everyday life yes did you take conversational english when you got here or did you just learn as you what i did along? was anything that i can read of like magazines um newspaper and as i read it i speak to it so i my tongue would get used to pronounce it the pronunciation is the hardest part for me because there are some you know like her here yes or there there it's just hard to, sure. yeah those are the hardest they sound the same but they're spelled different differently. and they mean different things correct yeah, yeah. that would yeah. be tough in any language yeah those are very tough but Rather than that, I was I was doing fine just reading anything that I can read and just speak what I read. So after you got over the initial culture shock of living in the United States, I would think it would be very difficult to start a business where you're still struggling to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And opening up a restaurant, I think, is such an act of bravery anyway, because 50% of the restaurant, or maybe even more than that, fail within Mm -hmm. the first five years. What gave you the confidence that you could do it? I always wanted this since I was a kid. My mom has a retail store, like a little bit, like a storefront in my country. And she always trusts me to run it. She go to the city during on the weekend after school. She would want me to run it. And when retail and restaurant is totally different, but I have that in me that I can't. I I have. I'm a firm believer of if you put yourself into something, you dream it, and then you put yourself to it. I think you can. You can do it. There's it's no, the old adage that if you put your mind to something, yes, that's the <laughs> word that I want to use. That yeah. you can do it. You can do it. I also like a firm believer that you ask the Lord for something, and I know there's three answers: yes, and no, and wait. Those mm-hmm. are the three answers, and I'm, I believe that. And I when I ask Him, like I want, that's why you have to be careful what you're gonna pray for because the Lord gonna give it to you. He's gonna give it to you. Be so, careful what you wish for. Yeah, be careful what you wish yeah. for. And I, 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 I wanted to have a restaurant because I work at the restaurant industry. When I, after I moved here, I start working at this restaurant, and I really liked what I do. I like to serve. I like to cook, and I, I, I learned how to bartend actually when I first worked there, and I really love what I do. So I work at Golden Crawl. I worked there as a server. I served one of the um, owner of the restaurant and he pulled me over and he said like, I would like to get your number. I said like, I don't think that was a good idea for you to get my number. My husband would not like that. Uh. He said, no, 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 it's not that. I want you to work for me. I'm opening a restaurant and I really like the way you served us. And I was very pleased. Uh, My wife is here and my two kids. So he was 
I thought he was by himself, and I said like, "Oh, okay." Um, he said like, "We will be opening in May, and we would like for you to be part of our team." I said, "Oh, that's so nice of you." I, I yeah, I would give that a consideration. That would be um, another um, you know experience for me to to work at actually serving, not in a buffet, and actually like serving. So that's how I end up um, working at Cancun restaurant. Cancun. Um, yeah, down in Western Bowl. Yeah, I worked yeah. there for 13 years and 16 days. Wow. Yeah, I was the first opener there. Um, I worked, You must have really loved it to have stayed there that long. I, lo- I really loved what I do. I mean, I, I like this. It gives me pleasure to... The first, first thing, like, that way, that's how I learned my English well. Because, like, when you start talking and that's when you practice more when you're conversing with people when you're dealing with people Uh you're talking with them every day yeah and i really liked what i do and um so for 13 years i was the only one there that was actually last that long 13 years that's when it started like i started wanting my own restaurant because everybody's like you should open one restaurant and you would do well at it and kind of like inspiring about it in other words people thought that you should open up your own place just because you were so well liked and you were such a staple of that neighborhood just from working there for so long yeah people thought that a restaurant with your identity would do well here. yeah and i have such a good followers and um working there for like seven years at that time i said hmm talk to my husband and he said, I don't think you can do it. He's very negative about it. And our relation at that time was on the rocks. Our marriage did not last. Um, we got divorced. It was just hard. So I went through a very hard time. So when we got divorced, um, I basically like supporting me and my daughter. So I, I paused my dream. And then one day I was just, hmm, I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm really getting, <laughs> I'm getting old. And, you know, it's now or never. And so I pray about it. And I said, Lord, um, you remember I asked you before that I wanted to have my own place. And I want to ask you again. And I keep passing this old Pizza Hut every day. And I always look for that number for the Pizza Hut where they're at Christine's right now. Oh, so what? It was a telephone number? Or yeah, it was a telephone the, number. So you're talking about the telephone number on the sign saying that it was for lease? Yeah, for lease. Oh. And I keep passed by that every day going to Cancun to work. It just keep lingering in my mind. For months, I pass by to that area every day and I look at that number. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to call this number and see what if they let me see it inside because it's probably closed for like years. So I met the guy and it the Pizza Hut was like really, really old inside. It's like spider ribs all over and I see potentials on it. It needs a lot of work. Um, there's no kitchen equipment. The only thing that was left there was the the old booth. Like, it's like a divider for the whole thing. And I was like, I don't know if I can do it. And then my friends was like, Christine, you can do this. We will help you. Like, I have a lot of friends that are actually willing to help me and would want me to succeed. So the 
guy from Pennsylvania said, you know what? If you really like your, this place, we will give you six months free rent. Wow. Yeah, we will give you six months free rent to um, get this ready. I said, okay. So sign the contract and all that. So I go to the auction and buy all these like used equipments. So a friend of mine would help me. He was like, okay, I help you pick up. I have a truck, so I just pick up a little bit a, a week time. So, and I said like, well, I would like to have a bar. I said, Christine, we'll help you build. Um, his name is Mike. He said, I help you build a bar. So we go to Depot and then we got all these woods and he, he was a contractor, so he built everything. So he would teach me. I don't know about stuff, how to build stuff. So I said, I will teach you how to do this and we paint and he'll teach me how to, we paint up the restaurant and then I bought some old tables and he said, I will teach you how to refinish these tables. I will just kind of soften it and then you paint it over it. So, so he would sand it. Yeah, he would and, sand and it. And you yeah. would paint over it. Yeah, paint over and, it. And I love that, first of all, I mean, it's, it had to have been overwhelming the generosity of these friends of yours who, yeah. were, who were helping you get this place ready. Yeah. But they're not just doing these things for you. They're showing you how to do for yourself. Yes. And he was willing to help me what I needed because he was a best friend of mine that would actually help you. He really has a true belief in me that I can do it. All he has to do is show how it's done mm. a little bit, especially like sanding yeah. the hardest part, like sanding the table right? and bought some um, chairs, you know, used chairs. Because yeah. I didn't have a lot of money to start. I just went through a divorce two years after, you know, I decided to have a restaurant and it money was very hard. So I have to go everything from the used equipments and work from there. Yeah. And... I have my mom. I call my mom. I met her at Cancun. Um, her name is Betty. She's like my mother. She's been encouraging me to not back out on this one. You went too far. So I... Yeah, I, don't quit yeah, now. Yeah, don't quit. So, I, yeah. you know, there's a moment that you really, you really think it's hard. Things are not go your way. And then my mom is just, don't quit. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do it. Then Michael would be like, I'll show you how to get this done. Like in the morning, I go clean the restaurant or do something at the restaurant. Then at night, I work at Cancun. Then come back every day for six months. And I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And then I realized they called me. My dad has cancer. Mm. So... I was very upset. My dad is very close to me. He taught me a lot about work ethics. Um, he taught me about life. Do not get discouraged or something come up. Just wait. And the Lord has a way for it. And then he has stage four cancer. So I have to go home and see him. Um, I usually go home every three years to see my family when I moved here. And then I went back home money was tight at that time and i have to see my dad i really have to see him because he's dying so i talked to my boss and said i i i, I have to go home I said yeah i understand so i went home for a month and spent time with my dad and you know i try to i guess like when you're selfish you try to save your 
dad like I talk to doctors if there's an option and there's no option he's going to lose this battle so I spend a lot of stuff for medication because in my country there's no insurance so you have to go take care of yourself to your own so um when my dad suffered the pain he ha- he has a um, liver cancer so i buy all these medications and what we need just for him to be comfortable so then i came back after one month i came back and i hold the restaurant i hold that dream i was discouraged so i literally literally stop stop do what i do at that place and I already put up the sign. <laughs> Say Christine's casual dining. <laughs> so I put up the sign and everybody was asking the you know there is like there is this um this group of Facebook groups like do you know what's going on at that place Christine's um it's been sitting there and nobody's like somebody's working there and it's just suddenly stopped. So after being gone a month mm-hmm. and you literally put the restaurant plans on hold yes you just basically said i don't have the money right now and uh, yeah. I, i've got other expenses and i yes. can't financially pull this off mm-hmm. meanwhile the sign had gone up yeah the, the christine sign it I was already, already up it's already up so everybody in the neighborhood is wondering when is this place gonna yes open? yes when is this place gonna open and some people that know like oh christine is gonna open that she works at cancun and some people would come to the restaurant like Hey, when is your restaurant going to open? I was like, I don't know. Um, I'm really in this um, situation right now where my dad is sick and he's most important. Family is most important than other things. So he said, do you need help? I said, no, I, I think I, I should be fine. I just needed to postpone my dreams because I have to I have to take care of my dad. And so, what kind of help were they offering? Like pains or I need financial. I just really I'm the, anything you need. Yeah, at anything that point. I need, and I I just don't want to like bother people. I just you don't not, want to impose on people. Yeah, I don't want to like bugged people. I don't. I just want to make sure that I will be okay. Because if what if I have so many what if questions like what if the restaurant cannot uh, make it and then I would be going through all these stuff. So, so you were afraid of disappointing people. Correct. Then my dad passed away. I literally discouraged like I don't know if I'm going to open this. So my my mom like my mom in the United States the one that I told you her name is Betty. She said, Christine, you went too far. You went too far. You can't back out now. Your silence is there. You have to pursue this. You have to pursue this dream. You can't just keep discouraging because your dad passed away. That's part of life. Just accept that he's in heaven. He's not suffering anymore. He's in a better place. Just just keep, keep, moving, it, yeah, keep moving Keep moving forward. So then Mike was like, let's go. You put the date to for your opening. And I said, I don't know if I can. She said, if you don't put the date, you would never going to open this place. And I said, like, 
I don't know. I'm really scared now. Like it starts sinking in. Like yeah, this is this is getting real. Yeah, it is getting real. So and after, did you even have a menu planned at this point? Yeah, I have a menu right down, and so um, you had an idea of what Christine's casual dining mm-hmm. would be. Yeah, I have the I have the idea of the menu. So I want to keep it simple. I want to really want to keep it simple. And I said, well, you have to hire a chef. You know, you can't cook it all. I said, like. Yeah, forget about that part. And I mean, my first, my first, oh, yeah, yeah a be, chef. Yeah, like you have to get a chef and you have to put this menu together. So I talked to a friend of mine, Austin, like, Christine, I, I work at this restaurant industry. I can make you the menu and I just put whatever you want in there. We may help you put the menu together. So he take care of that part. But the main thing is the chef, getting a chef. And um, she, I met I met a guy and it's like, well, I can help you how to present the food, how to put it together, and what is your specialty? And I said, okay, this is my specialty. And I said, just keep it simple for now because I don't want you to get overwhelmed. Yeah. So I put the date, <laughs> May 18 of 2015 as a soft opening. So I invited my friends and my family here, like American your family. Local, your local, American yeah, family, yeah. The one that really close to me and invited. And I said, yeah, you can invite your friend. Oh, boy. And it's not a soft opening. They came in full force oh, wow. to support me. And I said, oh, my God. Like You were overwhelmed. Yeah, I was. The kitchen was overwhelmed. And I was overwhelmed. I was really scared. I was really scared. I said, oh, it's okay. We're here to support you. I have two days opening, May 18th and May 19th. And people came, the one that I invited, and they bring their family to support me in my second, I mean, two days of soft opening. And that helps me a little bit financially. And then, like, my grand opening. And the thing about when you open up a restaurant, you, it's like a learning process every day. You know, I was overwhelmed. My first, my first six months of, from being open was, a chaos because when I was working at Cancun, all I do was wait tables and bartend. Now having a restaurant, you do it all. I do inventory. I do the ordering. I do the payroll. I do the, the bartending. I still do bartending nowadays. I'm there every day. If you don't see me at the restaurant, I go somewhere and pick up some stuff what I needed for the restaurant. If you're not at the restaurant, you're doing something for the restaurant. Yeah, for the restaurant. Yeah. And I it was a learning process for me. I just took it from there and switched the menu because you know when you first open people you gotta put that first impression to the customers and I did not have that first impression with good first impression with them because it was a rush opening. You feel like you struggled in the beginning because you weren't ready. Yeah, I wasn't ready. I yeah. was struggling, and then I get all these, um, I get all these bad reviews, and people didn't like it, and I was so frustrated. Yeah, I was, sometimes I would go to the fridge and cried, like I said, I did not know it was this hard. You know, this those are the trials to be in the restaurant business yeah. that you you going to like you're gonna get punched, mm-hmm. and then you just recover from that and. Changed the menu. I changed the menu one time. I have to tell you, I I fired everybody in the kitchen at that time. 
um, I think it was nine months from the opening. It's just so chaos. It's just they don't listen. I mean, she doesn't listen. Oh, Christine doesn't listen. I'm not going to listen to you. I This is my place. This is my way. I fired everyone in the kitchen. So managing people was difficult, I imagine, it, because you had a lot of people, you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, as they say, yeah. that were trying to tell you how to run how your to business. Run. Yes, yes. Plus, they would like try to dictate you and, and stuff. So I, I just like, you know what? I'm really tired. Mm. So I fired everyone in the kitchen and for one day a half a day i closed it was a taco tuesday too and i fired everybody in the kitchen and then and my daughter's like mom what did you just did i said like <laughs> it's my way or the highway i mean they're not our, our menu is i mean the people are not pleased with our food so i gotta do something drastic so i fired everyone in the kitchen and then Half a day, the next day of Wednesday, I opened the place and I cooked. Really? I cooked everything. So I And you ran it yourself. Me, like yeah, me and Michael and my daughter was at the front. She was helping me. She was she said, take care of the front, take care of the customer. I gotta cook. I cooked for two weeks. I cooked for two weeks for everybody. And Mike was the expediter of the food. And then I got uh Mike's sister, um, cut the vegetables and all that what i needed yeah do prep and i do the cooking for two weeks until i find the right person to run the kitchen Hmm. because they're not going to dictate me how i run the place because it and then from what what were they what were people trying to dictate to you were they trying to dictate what to put on the menu or how to prepare it yeah how to prepare because i have a book to follow like i write down what the ingredients would be Mm -hmm. and they were trying to change it? Yeah, they tried to change it. And I taste, every day I go and taste the food and make sure that it's the same, the same every day. Like consistent. the flavor, yeah, cons- being consistent. And it's not there. I just, it's just. You can tell when they're not doing it right. Yes, yes. I Yeah, yeah I'm very specific when it comes to that part. And then I, I, I would question them like, why is it taste different than last week? And yeah. then. He said, like, oh, I don't know. I just probably forgot to put peppers or whatever, onions. And, and I said, no, it's not going to, it, you have to go by the book. This is what it's going to be. And there's a process to these things. You yeah. can't put the cart before the horse. Yes. This recipe, it's not just a list of ingredients. You yes. probably had a whole method to yes. how it had to be prepared and the timing yes. and everything else, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Yes. And I, it, they're not listening. And I said, like, and they would laugh at me. And then I walk out and it was just. One day I was just, I just. That's it. That's it. So after that, I cooked for two weeks and I changed the menu. I just literally changed it and trained everyone that comes in that door how to prep the way I want it and the quality. And that's how the restaurant went up from it tripled the the sales. Really? And how long? So how long after you opened the place did you fire everyone? Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. You fire everybody. And how long did it take for you to get back on your footing and see sales go up? Like Six months. Did? So it was another six yeah. months after that. Six months. There was... Um, so this is a good, you know, year and three months, four months, almost a year and a half of yeah. turmoil where... Yes. It, it I have had to been go through really difficult. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're still trying to get customers in the door mm-hmm. and heaven forbid bit if they had a have a bad experience it's going to be awfully tough to get them back in there right yes i have this lady that comes to the restaurant 
a lot. And her daughter was writing an article. She wrote an article about the restaurant at that time. Her name is Andrea. But her mother comes to the restaurant. And one day, I was on Facebook, and she tagged me to what she wrote about the restaurant. And I said, like, wow, like, I did not know about that somebody is writing an article about me. So it went viral. Mm. And the one that's actually like had a bad experience way back from the past for us, they came back and they said they loved it. You know, it said you made a very good change up for the good for the restaurant. And ever since then, our sales triple. And our customers that keep coming back all the time because we, it's been consistently the same flavor every day. And since I changed the crew in the kitchen and everything. What inspires you to keep doing it every day? It's such hard work. Yes. But um, you seem to love it despite all of the obstacles and the challenges. Having to fire everyone and start from scratch again and the sleepless nights and working every single day and the blood and the sweat and the tears that go into it. I. It's just, to me, it, it inf- inspired me is to make people happy and I don't know. It's just I really love what I do, and seeing people that comes to the restaurant and eat, and they have a a wonderful meal, a home cooked meal. I, what really inspire me? I don't have a family here, and I see I see co- people come to the restaurant and have family, and I I can serve them a good meal, really great meal, like home cooked meal. That really what makes my day. Mm. I mean, you know, every day I don't have the vegetable delivered to the restaurant i go and pick it up you pick out your own vegetables i pick up my own vegetables i pick up the milk the bread twice a week to make sure that it's fresh because i used to have like a deliver everything i didn't like that part because i want to see it like the especially the vegetables i want to see it before i bring it to the restaurant because the hassle of having it deliver, and then what if you get a mushy tomatoes? And that really, like, it's a hassle because you're going to call your sales rep and say, hey, um, I got a mushy tomato. Um, the hassle of putting it on the side and wait for them to pick it up and get your refund. Yeah, I'd rather have to go once a week and pick up my tomatoes, my lettuce. That way you know it's good. I know it's good and it's fresh. And it's yeah. every Monday I go and pick it up. For the whole week that I, I needed peppers. You're the quality control. Yes. Every day I have something to do because it's a schedule. Monday, vegetable day. Tuesday, the milk. Wednesday, the bread. Then another. It's it's just a schedule for me. Let's talk about Christine's casual dining. Yeah. I've never been. We should. The people who are <laughs> listening right now that have never been, what's on the menu with Christine's casual dining? We have a very diverse menu. Um, I have Filipino food, uh, Wisconsin's pancit, pork adobo, um, pork barbecue, the egg rolls. Those are the basic. And we have Filipino soup. Is this a lunch place? Do I come for lunch? Yes. Or do I come for dinner? Do I come for breakfast or not? You can do brunch, really? breakfast every day. What yeah. time do you open? Uh, we open at 11. Uh, the brunch is over to 2.30. Uh, we have lunch specials, five ninety nine every day. And then we have happy hour, three to six. And then dinner, we have home-cooked meal. We have pot roast, meatloaf. We have Mexican dish. Uh, we have burritos, fajitas. So you picked up a lot from Cancun that you learned. I picked up like you. a few things that 
that um, there is um, one of my favorite dish over there that I just twisted a little bit. Um, I have a um, couple of Italian. Uh, we have ravioli and spaghetti meatballs. But what we are known for is the pot roast and the meatloaf. And uh, I just added the Filipino dish in there like a few months ago because people were like, you should start doing the Filipino dish a little bit to introduce it to the community. And I did that and they loved it. And um, I have a plate where you can have a little bit of everything. Like you get the whole experience of the, the Filipino dish mm. in, the, in just one plate. Are you it, open seven days a week? Mm-hmm. And one last year I did... Um, since I don't have family, um, I had asked my crew at the kitchen and the servers to do a voluntary for the holidays. Like, you know, you are in the customer service industry and I just want to cook Thanksgiving meal to the ones that don't have family to go. So I asked the crew in the kitchen to help me to put this together on a Thanksgiving meal for the ones that doesn't have family so i cooked the whole entire meal all they do is to cut the turkey to put it in the plate and i have my my daughter volunteer and i have um one server that volunteered that day and me and then two cooks that volunteers yeah i i do that so all they do is put up the plate as a thanksgiving and it went so well and everybody would think like oh she's open things they never she never asked anybody to take off i said it's not that my point is i'm asking the employees to volunteer it's not i'm not forcing them to work i just want to have some family that don't have a place to go and have a wonderful meal and i it's the it gives me pleasure like it feels good yeah it feels good to to see them i have they have a really great meal and spend time with their family at the restaurant and they're like my family too so it's kind of Kill two birds in one stone. <laughs> How old is your daughter? Is she working at the restaurant with you? Um, she helps me on a weekend. She's 16. Yeah. She goes to Walnut Hills. She's been there with me. I remember when she was 12 when we I started the restaurant and she would do her homework and I was, paint the, I was painting the restaurant and she was just... And I said, Mom, can I paint my doll too? I was like, oh, okay, you can <laughs> paint your doll. I mean, she just... she She's a doll. She's really... She's... A good kid, really great kid. Um, she's she play at the Walnut Hills uh, marching band. She plays snare drums at Walnut Hills, and then she play uh, softball as a catcher during the springtime. So she's she's doing her thing. So looking ahead of the future, mm-hmm. what do you uh, see for yourself? I see for myself is uh, I I didn't look at. Look at it. I just want to, to me, it's not about just work every day. I don't feel it like when I'm at the restaurant, it's the vibe that I see. Because I miss my family, of course. It's just, I just want to work. That's all I want. Like to In see other words, people. you love what you do so yeah, much. Like, yeah, I just. You just want to keep on doing what you're doing? Am I yeah, hearing this? Yes, I, I just want to keep doing what I do. And it's a pleasure. I, I I can't explain it. It's just you love what you do. Yeah, I do. I it do love it. It brings you joy. Yes, yeah. That and coming to the restaurant, and you might see like you know differences sometimes in 
you know, people you can't please. And that's normal. You can't please. I beat myself. Sometimes I beat myself to it because like, she's not happy and I want to make her happy. And it's just, you know, I, I would do everything possible. I know how to please a customer, to make sure that she has a wonderful meal or wonderful experience at the restaurant. And if if I can't, I, sometimes it beat me. It makes me sad. But, yeah. you know, I... And then my mom would say, like, you can't, you can't. There's there's no way you can't please everybody. Just continue what you do. My employee would ask me, like, I don't know how you do it, Christine. It's just, it, you just go on and on and on and on. A couple of days ago, I was at the Asian Food Fest. I was there. It's my first year the doing first it. first Asian Food Fest. Yeah, my you, first yeah. Asian Food Fest. And I was so nervous. And once I got to the groove to it, I was I really liked it. People was like, oh, we're going to try your egg rolls. And like, it's just the joy of seeing people like like the food, like what I cooked. I mean, it gives me pleasure. I've been so blessed this year. And I'm so grateful to the Lord about it. And um, to the people that actually have believed in me, like, you know, like that I can do it. And people in the community supported me and when I'm there, I, I go around the table and talk to them and people probably call me crazy or workaholic or something, but it really does give me pleasure to do it. I'm so glad I had a chance to meet you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for coming in and thank, thank you. you for having this conversation with me. Oh, and thank you. I love your story and I find it incredibly inspiring. Thank you. It makes a difference to someone to know that that brings you joy and that you love what you do. Yeah, I, I do. I really do. Thank you for coming on Perseverance Trust. I'll be visiting you soon. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> and by the way, if you would like to visit Christine and experience the food so many tri-staters are raving about, Christine's Casual Dining is at 5770 Harrison Avenue in Dent. That's 5770 Harrison Avenue in Dent. And you'll also find her online at christinescasualdining.com. That's going to do it for this edition of Person of Interest. Person of Interest is produced by Natalie Jones. And if you found Christine as inspiring and compelling as we did, or if you'd like to suggest a future Person of Interest, send us an email to poi at wkrq.com. Until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas. you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, oh, oh.